What does this mean? That's a question that Luther asks over and over again in the Catechism. What does this mean? You shall have no other gods before me. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What does this mean? I believe that God has made me and all creatures, giving me body and soul and so on. I believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord. What does this mean? I believe in the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? I believe in the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. What does this mean? That we are... We approach our Father and, uh, and we approach God as our Father and uh, come to Him with our prayers. What does this mean? Luther keeps asking that over and over again because he wanted his people really to know what they believed and why they believed it. He didn't want their faith to simply be rote and ritual. And so, what does this mean? Now, today, like I said, is our every member communion Sunday. And this is the question that we're going to be asking. What does this mean? What is so special about this meal? Why do we hold it in such high regard? Why do we take it so seriously? Why are we urging and encouraging people to come over and over again? Why, why, why? What does this mean? And we're going to try to discover what this means by looking at the various names that the Lord's Supper has been given. And I pray God's blessing upon my speaking and your hearing. We speak of this meal as the Lord's Supper, and that's very, very appropriate because it is indeed the Lord's Supper. He is the one who started it. He is the one who instituted it. It is not the idea of some denomination. It is not something given by men. It is something instituted by the Lord himself. Now, remember the scene. He institutes this. He gives this for the first time in the upper room. And he and the disciples are gathered there. This is the night before he dies, the night of the betrayal. And they are gathered there to eat the Passover meal. Now remember what the Passover meal was. That was that special meal that God's people had been celebrating for 1,500 years. And in that meal, of course, they recorded, they, they remembered all of the great things that God had done in delivering them from the slavery of Egypt. God's greatest redemptive act in the Old Testament. So... At this meal, of course, they ate different kinds of food. And when they were eating these different kinds of food, the host of the meal would explain what this means in terms of what happened back at the time of the Exodus. So, at one point in the meal, they are eating unleavened bread because the people who left Egypt that night had unleavened bread. So they're eating unleavened bread. But this night, while they are eating the unleavened bread, Jesus takes some of this and gives it to the disciples and says... This is my body given for you. And then when it comes to the passing of the cup of wine the third time, now remember that during this meal they pass a cup of wine four different times and around the table and every person takes a sip of that wine. And they do that four times because God gave his people four big promises right before they left Egypt. And as each of that and as the cup was passed, the host would then talk about that one big promise. Now, what we are told by Luke is that Jesus then, when they passed the cup the third time, Jesus said something wondrous. He said, drink, all, uh, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you for the remission of your sins. 
do this often in remembrance of me. Now we call this special meal the Lord's Supper because first of all, he instituted it. He was the one who first gave it. Now, we also call it the Lord's Supper because he is the host of the meal and by that we mean that he is the one who invites to the meal and also gives what is received in the meal. So, who does he invite? That's the first question you ask. Who does he invite to his meal? He invites to his meal those who have seen the ugliness of their own sin. He invites to the meal those who know that their sin has separated them from God and placed them under judgment. He invites those to the meal who are repentant of their sins and are sorry for their sins and are wanting to change their lives to be more pleasing to the Father, all of those things. Those are the ones he invites to his meal. In other words, he invites his family to his meal because that's what's so unique about his family. His family are those who see their sin, their desperate situation, and are looking for forgiveness. That's the ones he invites to his meal. Now, while he was here on earth, of course, his enemies accused him of eating with sinners. And he did. And he still does, because that's whom he invites to his meal. He invites sinners to his meal. Now, what does he give as the host? What does he give in the meal? Well, he gives his body and his blood. It's very plain. He says, this is my body. And then he says, this is my blood. Now, you can't get any plainer than that, any clearer than that. And yet, in the world today, there are those who deny those very simple words. And they say uh, that it's not logical, it's not scientific, it is not reasonable. It just can't be. It's impossible. And, of course, we look at all of that and we say, yes, it is, because it is the Lord's word. And there are those who say what he really meant was represent. And we say, no, we're quite sure that our Lord said what he meant when he said this. And so we classify this in terms like the Trinity. There's no way that we can understand the Trinity. I can't understand three and one and one and three. And yet we always approach the Trinity, that great truth, by taking off our shoes and simply kneeling and worshiping. And that's the way it is with the Lord's Supper. When I come to the Lord's Supper, I don't come to explain. I don't even come to understand. I come simply to worship and to receive because I know that somehow, some way, in, with, and under this bread, the Lord is giving to me His body. And in, and with, and under His this wine is his blood. And I don't try to explain it. I simply come and kneel and receive. So we call it the Lord's Supper. And always we should remember this. That is indeed the Lord's Supper. And when we come here, we should always come with reverence and respect. We are coming to the Lord's table. The Lord's table. When I come here, I'm, I, I'm not coming to the counter at McDonald's. I'm, I, I must remember where I am and what I'm doing and where I'm going and where I'm coming to. I, I'm not coming to the beach for a picnic. I'm not coming to the gym to play volleyball. And therefore I should dress appropriately. 
I'm coming to the Lord's table. Now I know he doesn't care how I dress, but I do because I'm coming to my Lord's table. And I come with reverence always and with great respect because I come to a sacred place for a sacred moment. And I want to show him how much I appreciate this and what a privilege it is and what an honor it is to be invited to his table. So we call it the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table. But we also call it the Sacrament of the Altar, the Sacrament of the Altar. And that name is filled, is just packed with meaning. First of all, sacrament. Why do we call it a sacrament? Remember that the word sacrament comes from the Latin word sacramentum. And a sacramentum was the pledge and oath that a young man took when he went into the Roman army and began his military career. And in that pledge and oath, he said that he would die for the emperor if it came to that. And the early Christians began to look at the Lord's Supper, and they said, you know what? That's a sacramentum. Because the Lord is giving to us his oath. He is giving to us his pledge. He is making to us great and wonderful promises. And so they began calling it sacramentum, sacrament. And in that word, there is the idea of promises, pledge, and oath. Now, what does he promise me in the Lord's Supper, in this meal? He promises me, first of all, his body and blood, like we've just heard. He promises that to me. And the reason he promises that to me is to just doubly ensure the second promise, because the second promise is a promise of forgiveness. And he wants me to be absolutely sure of this forgiveness that he is promising to me. And so he promises me his body and blood, and then along with that, the forgiveness of sins. And as I hear those words, this is my body, and I think of that in terms of promise, into my mind comes that whole scene of Calvary. And I think of the cross, and I think of the darkness, and I think of his nakedness, and I think of no one there but enemies. And I think of the jeering and the mocking, and I think of the sweat and the tears and the blood. And I realize that's why he can say, this is my body, because he went through all of that to make possible my receiving his body. And so I think of that. And I remember that he experienced my hell for me. That when he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was experiencing my hell for me. Now he wants me to be so sure of this that he then gives me his body and his blood. And he says to me, this is for you. So that when we come here to the Lord's table and you hear these words, you hear them very, very personal. This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. You can think of yourself, you see. This is the body of Christ, Monica, 
given for you. This is the body of Christ. Robert, for you. Nancy, for you. And that for you there is very personal, very specific, very personal. So that's part of the sacrament of the altar, is this great promise for you. And there's a third promise. And Luther brings this out in the explanations. He says, where there is the forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. So there's a promise given for you, the forgiveness of sin, and along with that, life and salvation. So the Lord's Supper, the, the word sacrament, reminds me of promise, reminds me of these big promises. The body and blood of my Lord Christ, the forgiveness of sins for you, and then also life and salvation. But then that's the word sacrament. But listen to this. The word altar is also there. This is the sacrament of the altar. And that's a tremendous word packed with meaning there. Because as I hear that word altar, then I'm reminded of all the blood sacrifices that were made through 1,500 years of Old Testament history that every morning a lamb was sacrificed at the temple to cover the sins of the people, the nation. And every evening another lamb sacrificed. And then during the day these goats and these lambs and these doves and these bulls, all these animals sacrificed, blood, blood, blood sacrificed to cover sin and bring forgiveness. And Jesus then, and this is the significance of his words. Listen to what he says. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. All that blood of the Old Testament, that's all gone now. That's all was pointing ahead to me. That's all now been fulfilled. No longer does the blood of animals cover sin. It is my blood that covers sin. It is my blood in which there is forgiveness and so that's in the word, the sacrament of the altar, that it is the blood of Christ, not the blood of animals anymore, but the blood of Christ that takes away our sin so that his shed blood covers my sin. So sacrament of the altar, the ideas of promise. But as I come, there's also one other promise, one big promise, and that's the promise I make when I come. Because when I come... I promise that I'm going to be loyal to my Lord. I promise that I'm going to struggle with my sin. I'm going to work to overcome, to do as he bids me do, and follow as he bids me follow. So I make that promise too. As I hear his promises, I make my promise. And all of that's wrapped up in sacrament of the altar. And there's one other name we call it, and that's Holy Communion. It's holy communion. It is set apart. And this too is packed with meaning. Holy means it's sacred. It is, it's an awesome mystery that I'm coming to. I'm not coming simply to receive bread and wine. I'm not coming simply to something very ordinary and commonplace. I'm coming to holy communion. Holy communion. And in that word communion, I'm reminded of three different unions. Communion means union with. And so I, first of all, I'm reminded of the union with body, a bread and body, and wine and blood. The very mysterious union in, with, and under connected there. 
But I'm also reminded that my union with my Lord. When I come here and kneel, my Lord comes to us maybe in a very special way to unite himself with me. And he comes not only to give me forgiveness, but he also comes to me to give me strength when I need strength and encouragement when I need encouragement and comfort when I need comfort. He comes to here to give me all kinds of gifts. He comes to draw close to me and to assure me of his presence and his closeness. So I come for that union. But I also come for a union with each other. Because as we come, we come together and we kneel together. And we are so different in so many ways. But in our kneeling and in our receiving and in our coming, we are united in Jesus Christ. We are different in so many ways. We are different in our intelligence. We are different in our economic situation. We are different in culture. We are different in education. We are different. So many, many ways we are different. But when we, when we come here and when we kneel here, we are coming with, as sinners. Each and every one is coming with sinners. All these other differences are just eliminated. And we come here as sinners. We come here as people in whom the Holy Spirit has worked to give us the gift of faith. We come here looking for forgiveness. We're coming here to be assured of eternal life. All of those things. And those are the things that unite us. So we come looking to receive all of these. And we walk away rejoicing that we have received. And there's one other name, and that's Eucharist. Eucharist. And that's a kind of a strange name, but it comes from the Greek word Eucharisteo, which is the Greek word for thank you. Eucharisteo was thank you in Greek. And so the early Christians called it Eucharist also. And sometimes we call it that too. Eucharist simply means thanksgiving. That when I come, I come with a thankful heart. I come thanking Jesus for being my Lord and Savior. I come thanking my Heavenly Father for the tremendous love that He has shown to me. I come in repentance and reverence, but I also come with a heart full of thanksgiving because I am coming to my Lord's table. I have been invited by my Lord to His table. And that says so very, very much to this very special meal. So. We have all these different names, the Lord's Supper, the Sacrament of the Altar, Holy Communion, Eucharist, whatever we call it though, the big thought we remember is this, it is a gift. My Lord invites me to come often, often to receive the gifts he wants to give me. It's all about giving, it's all about grace. It's all about gifts received. And so we come. Amen.